Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast with my fantastic co-host, Jared Gifford, writer and creator of Darren Captain of the Stars and a plethora of other projects that he's talked about that we'll Mm -hmm. get into in a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. I myself am the writer of The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe, Sexy Zombie Hunters, and... um, A soon-to-be-named project? It has a name, yeah. and it's called um, Run Eileen Run. Oh, nice. And it's uh, part of the horror anthology that's supposed to be coming out in 2020. Oh, yes. And uh, to to tease on that one, um, I've also got a story, and uh, I was going to use it for another horror anthology, but Corey really liked it, and he said he, we should use it for his. Um, I've got um, I've got a eight page um, creepy horror story called My One True Love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uh, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> I can't wait to see what it looks like drawn. Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, this anthology series, uh, if I remember you telling me, it's going to be um, it's going to be ten stories all together. Mm-hmm. Five uh, from you, five from me. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so for those of you listening, you're basically going to be getting um, ha- uh, half half the book's going to be done by Corey, the other half's going to be done by me, <clears throat> and. Um, and pretty much what you're going to get is basically um, our favorite kinds of horror stories. You know, they're all going to be um, unique and original, but then some will, you know, you'll. we obviously have our own influences for horror and everything, so you'll definitely be able to tell which stories are Corey's and which stories are mine. Exactly. Now, if you go to www.crazymonkeyinkwithak.com, mm-hmm. you can not only get The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe, mm-hmm. but... You can also get the first three issues. I know I'm surprised too. Yeah, <laughs> of Darum Captain of the, the stars. stars. Also, you can get the first four issues of Midnight's Avenger. Oh yes. Um, you can get Death Squad Zero, the first issue of Chaos God of Gore, and yeah. one of yours and mine personal favorites. Yeah. The third issue just barely dropped. Monsters on the Run by Mark Swan. I want yeah. Emphasize this for all the little kitties listening to our podcast. If you want Mm -hmm. a really cute, funny comic Mm -hmm. that um, is in the vein of Disney escape type of cartoons, pick up Monsters on the Run because I feel that with the issues to come, not Mm -hmm. only is the story going to develop into something extremely amazing, however, Mark Swan has such a beautiful way... Mm-hmm. of telling a story because he's worked with Warner Brothers, he's worked with Disney, he's worked with a plethora of different studios throughout the years. Yeah, and Don he did Bluth. Don Bluth, he did the storyboards for a Goofy movie. And for a little-known series that you and I grew up on, mm-hmm. don't know if anybody would know this, but definitely those of our generation would know this, he, he ended up uh, helping out with um, a lot of the storyboards for Thunder the Barbarian. And if you're in your 30s, late 40s, you would know exactly what we're talking about. Because not only is it an amazing cartoon, it had some fantastic creators behind it. And that's when you know that a project is fantastic. And here's here's how you know it was blessed by the 
pen of God, so mm-hmm. to speak, <laughs> like the comic book one, yeah. is the character concepts were done by Jack Kirby. And if anybody isn't familiar with Jack Kirby, you need to hit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> because no one can read a Fantastic Four comic without thinking of Jack Kirby and mm-hmm. Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Bless their souls. They've passed on since yeah. then. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Stan Lee personally. Yes. Because while I didn't get to uh, per se meet him, he's one of those yeah. iconic figures throughout history mm-hmm. that when you when he comes out with a comic, yeah. you just know that A, you're going to get a mm-hmm. moral to a story. Yeah. And B, you're going to get real-time conflict with fictional characters that I'll even us as humans yeah. um, deal with and how I, they got through them and how we can get I, through them as well. well. I'll even add to that. I'll even add to that. You can always you always know that the um, vocabulary is going to be very very good in it as well. Exactly, it's not. It's a very intelligent type of vocabulary, and that's what yeah. a lot of people, you know, need to understand is. Um, Mm-hmm. Stanley wasn't dumb. No. Stanley was very, very intelligent, and he made his characters speak very intelligently mm-hmm. because he realized that mm-hmm. in order to be taken seriously as a comic writer, you needed to have your characters yeah. be portrayed as serious and intellectualized as well. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, getting back to Cosmo uh, <laughs> and stuff, we also have Atoli's Finder and Cherry Bullet from Stefano Cardicelli. Exactly. And yeah. on the same vein as um, mm-hmm. Stefano Cardicelli, there are more pages being turned in for the for Romeo and Juliet, Juliet graphic, graphic novel. Exactly, and that should be out by next year. Yes. Also, there's mm-hmm. pages being brought in mm-hmm. left and right by Samir Samal and Brian Joe Glass's Cadence Lark is Furious. That should be coming out next year as well. Yeah. I'm super hyped about that because not yeah. only did I throw money towards the project, I yeah. got to read yeah. um, Furious from Dark Horse by Brian Joe Glass when he was at Dark Horse. Mm. And it's such a gorgeous read. I mm-hmm. I would love for everybody in the comic world to pick that comic up and read it because he has such a way of portraying characters mm-hmm. and their flaws and how they get through mm-hmm. um, a type of injustice that's been done to their name and how they deal with people you know, basically dragging their name through the dirt because mm-hmm. of a mistake they made and how they deal with the end result. I really yeah. love how he, read, how uh, he wrote he's that. Very good. He's very good with, uh, with it. Uh, I, I would uh, liken him um, to sort of... Uh, what I like about it is because he, he knows how to do tragedy, he knows how to do pathos and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would liken him to like a modern-day Shakespeare. I know he probably would, wouldn't think that that... Was, that uh, um, that sort of comparison was was appropriate, but you know what? I think it is. He's 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 you know he's got that kind of Shakespearean flair to his stories, and I like that. <laughs> and the reason I bring this up, mm-hmm. not only the graphic novel mm-hmm. that's going to be coming out yeah. next year, but also mm-hmm. Glass is such a wonderful down to earth person. Yeah, easy to talk to, real friendly, and. He's just one of those creators 
where he mm -hmm. shines whenever he brings a project out. There's years in there's years mm -hmm. in between when he brings a project out. Yeah. But when he does bring a project out, you know that it's with love, care, oh, and yeah. time has been put into it so that I'm, when it comes yeah. out, it's amazing. Oh, no, and I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you because the thing is just, I, just as you said, I like that because the thing is yeah, those who have been following Brian G. Glasson and, and his career, here's the thing. It's like, yeah, he may not necessarily come out with stuff quickly. Yeah. But he comes out with stuff that is good. The whole thing is, is, you know, yeah, you might have to wait a little bit for a project from Brian G.L. Glass, but here's the great thing about it, is it's always going to be good. So no matter what he does, it's totally worth the wait. Exactly. And I know that we don't have Victor Santos on this new Caden mm. Luck is Furious. But however, he is we doing the some, covers. He is he's doing, doing the, covers. the covers for them, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. However, we have... Samir Samal yes. doing the drawings, and I gotta tell you, when it comes to mm -hmm. Victor Santos's equal, mm -hmm. Samir Samal does a bang up job to oh, homage yeah. what he has done for Mice Templar. Yeah, well, that was man. He's like, he's always had great successors, hilarious enough. Because like uh, mm -hmm. Brian J. L. Glass, what happened was like when he first started Mice Templar, he was doing that with Mike Oming. Yeah, and um. What happened was um, Mike Oming uh, was, was starting to get a whole lot of different projects at the time. So what he did was um, he just started doing um, layouts for it, and then he'd have Victor Santos start doing the art. Exactly. And uh, uh, um, and then, interestingly enough, what happened was Brian Gell got to Victor Santos with him when they did the Furious project mm -hmm. that went first over at Dark Horse. And then um, and what happens is it's kind of funny. It's kind of a similar thing what happened with this one. It's like, you know... Um, when he started this new project, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't able to take Victor Santos with him because Victor Santos now, like Michael Oming, has got various different projects keeping him busy now. Which is good. Uh, oh, which yeah, which is always good. <laughs> but no, but basically he needed another artist, so that's when uh, that's when um, he got Samir Samal, and Samir Samal is just a wonderful find. This mm -hmm. is like this is like this is like finding a di uh, finding a diamond. Um, where you didn't expect to find one, you know, because it's like, it's so funny, is like, Samir Samal has just got this really great comic book style. Oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, um, it's just like, wow, why is this dude not famous yet? Because... I said we. I've seen his artwork like you have, and it's yeah. I, I I've been I've been thinking to myself. Okay, wait. Why is this dude a struggling artist? He he should be he should be like sipping sipping wine, you know, from champagne glasses. And one thing that I'm extremely impressed about, and I don't get impressed by a whole lot of things because you know I'm kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, is his cover for Darum, um, Captain of the Stars number issue four. number four? Yeah. You gotta give him credit because not only did it make it. <laughs> look bang up yeah. and amazing but yeah. you put that cover on number four for darum mm -hmm. you're gonna be selling like hotcakes it's gonna be awesome and i yeah. can't wait to hold that fantastic comic in my hands because i know not only did mm -hmm. you put a lot of love into writing it like yeah. you do every script the fact that the art is gonna be fantastic from Gaspero Rico. Yeah. You got the colors and the lettering coming from Mike Montalvo, and you got the cover from not only yeah. Samir Samal, but you got a variant cover coming from yeah. Tone Rodriguez himself. Nice. This yes. is just a bang up comic, and if you yeah. don't get this comic, yeah, it's gonna be it's, awesome. It, you gotta get the damn comic. I'll I like put it this way. Know, I know that I know a lot of you have been like, oh, well, when's it coming? When's it coming? Well. I, I can definitely tell you, it's going to be worth the wait, you know. 
like we told you with Brian Gale Glass and what he does, I'm 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 telling you, it's gonna be worth the wait getting Darren number four. Exactly. Um, and and uh, speaking of new projects, I actually wanted to take this opportunity um, because uh, um, you and yeah, I talked about this earlier. But, yeah, uh, we we had uh, yeah. talked quite extensively. Yeah, about yeah. This. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, um, I, I finally started on my Ronan Brothers project. I, I had hinted at it before and, and talked a little bit about it, but yeah, basically. This is going to be my um, ode to old samurai movies, and um, do you want to give kind of like a backstory now that you've yeah. started the first issue? Kind of a backstory yeah. about how you came about with the idea. Um, well, I'm a I'm a huge fan of like um, of many uh, many old samurai films. Um, you know, I like a lot of Akira Kurosawa stuff, like yes. Seven Samurai and Yojimbo oh, yeah. and. Um, things like, uh, Kagamusha and Ron. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, um, I also like, uh, li like other ones, like, uh, like, uh, the Samurai Trilogy, uh, the Samurai Rebellion, um, um, and, uh, and, you know, and, uh, it, and even, um, but yeah, various things like that. I mean, I've always been a big fan, um, and, uh. I wanted to do my own sort of story on it because I've always been fascinated with that period of history in Japan. Yeah. Um, now, to be to be clear, this is going to be a fiction. So while there is going to be some historical accuracy, it's not going to be 100% because this is a fiction based in a more of a fictitious version of Japan. Um and, um, so, because the characters are not only going to go up against, like, bandits and warlords, but they're also going to go up against, you know, um, spirits and the supernatural and also demons. Now, mm -hmm. for the listeners that are listening in, what time period did you decide to go with uh, for this story? Um, I'm basing it in the Edo period of Japan, where it's also known as the Tokugawa period. Yeah. And I'm basing it specifically in 1625. Now, what in this period piqued your interest as, okay, I need to make this the story for this era? Well, um, this is what was known as the last traditional era in Japan. Okay. This was when the shogunate ruled... Um, when it was basically the samurai were on top, um, and then you had different various classes. You had the, you, 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 you had the, you had the lords, mm -hmm. you had the samurai, you had the merchants, and then you had the peasants. Yeah, and it, it um, went like that in class. Yeah, and, uh, and then basically that, that was where you could only hope to aspire to in that society. The yeah. whole thing is, is that there was those four classes. Um, and um, anyway, what what I'm always been fascinated about with this period um, is, and once again, I know that uh, I know that it's not maybe entirely historically accurate, but what I like about at least this period and what they show in like some of the um, some of the documentaries and even uh, many, especially the samurai films that I've mm -hmm. watched, is I I love how the sort of honor code of the samurai i i like the fact that they have this honor uh code that they're they stand by yeah and and i and i, and I kind of like the fact that they're almost like you know you look at your your 
Western gunslinger mm-hmm. in, in, in most of the Westerns you have over here. Well, the samurai is the Japanese equivalent of that, and that's actually why you watch a lot of Akira Kurosawa's films, and his movies are a lot like, I mean, seriously, if, if it didn't have samurais in it and it just had guys swinging guns, it'd be a Western. So it'd be kind of like the Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, stuff um, like that. Well, like something well, in, like... In fact, in fact, some even inspired other westerns. Um, the uh, Yojimbo and Sanjiro movies inspired the Clint Eastwood movies, Fistful of Dollars, for a few dollars more, and The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. The Man with No Name trilogy, as they call it, that was inspired by the um, Yojimbo movies. And as we know, um, not only did Clint Eastwood... Mm-hmm. Um, star in those films he actually yeah. wrote them as well and helped yeah. direct them yeah. um yeah but what i'm saying this is that uh, but they were inspired by that uh and well in fact no i think it was uh i think the guy the guy who actually had directed that one was actually sergio Lo- leone all three of Sergi- sergio leone yeah I, I believe so oh okay i i, I believe Clint Eastwood had some creative input in there, but no, Sergei Leone was the one who did that. But well, he was inspired by what Akira Kurosawa did mm-hmm. with the Yojimbo movies. Because he was big into those films back oh, when yeah. they were starting well, a to lot do of them. these. Well, in fact, um, in fact uh, two well-known directors that a lot of people uh, um, know is that like uh, both uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg yeah. were also inspired by a lot of Akira Kurosawa's films. In fact, um, I remember you saying that um, Star Wars yeah. had been um, Star- very inspired. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, the um, Akira Kurosawa's film, The Hidden Fortress. Yeah, that was George Lucas's inspiration for Star Wars. And you know, yeah. if you know that, um, you should yeah. go back and watch that film because mm-hmm. it's a fantastic film. Oh yeah, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. And uh, um, you know, um, so so that's what that's what I'm saying is that they're all, they're always really really good. But anyway, with the with Ronan Brothers, uh, um, that's what I'm saying. I wanted to, so I wanted to base it in the Tokugawa slash Edo period. Yeah. Because like I said, it was the sort of the last great samurai period of Japan. Um, but it was basically when the samurai ruled. When um, when it was basically. Um, most most samurai movies that you see, um, well, not all, I guess, because there are some that are based about a century before. Yeah. But um, but for the most part, some of the some of the best ones that I've seen are usually based around that period, and then plus um, at the same time, you know, I want it to be that I, I want it to be, just kind of have that set that basically this is when the samurai were at the strongest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the main characters, um, to not give away too much, but basically to give the basic plot so that people even want to get into this. The two main characters, um, they're, uh, they're both brothers, obviously. Yeah. And um, what happens is, is their father is actually their lord. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, while they're serving under him, he ends up getting killed by a crime boss while they're away doing a mission for him. Okay. And, uh... And what happens is, uh, you know, they're obviously angered and they want to, uh... Uh, regain their honor because their father has been killed. So they want to exact revenge, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's, okay. a, it's a sort of a quest for vengeance. Mm-hmm. But but it's not just that, because while they're on this quest and while they're doing things, they actually go to different villages and help people out with problems. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's it's got a whole bunch of different things in it. Yeah. Um, the two main characters... Um, you know, you've got you've got the one um, older brother who's actually sort of a 
do things first and think about it later kind of person, uh, ma like man me. of action. Kind of like me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, um, I must admit I based his personality off of, uh, you know, Derek. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um... And uh, and then the uh, and then the younger brother is sort of more of the, uh, the smart tactician type. Okay. He's a uh, he's basically more of a no no. We need a plan, a solid plan before we go and do this thing. Definitely not me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's more you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the younger brother is definitely based on me. Yeah. Um, now, um, question because yeah. maybe not a whole lot of listeners know exactly what it is. Yeah. What exactly is the definition of a Ronin? A Ronin. Um, a ronin is, uh, for those who don't know, is a masterless samurai. Okay. Um, or a wandering samurai. Basically, it's a samurai whose master has either died or been killed, and they, uh, and they pretty much have no master. And they stay a ronin until they pass on. Um, usually. Um, unless, uh, unless uh, you know... Uh, they can I, have successors, can't they? Um, sometimes. Sometimes you have samurai that are retained through a family. Okay. Um, but if there are no successors or anything, basically, yeah, they wander around for pretty much uh, the, uh, the rest of their lives. Um, but they actually also, um, would hire themselves out to people. Um, you know, um, some, some ronin would basically, um, would, would basically solicit their services. Some mercenaries to, for hire, basically. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Yeah, in okay. a way. If you paid enough coin, they would join your cause. And then once your cause was taken care of, then they would be... Then they would move on. ...free from contract and then yeah. go to the next one. Yeah, well, then they moved to the next village. Okay. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, and, and so for, yeah, for those who are not familiar, that's what a Ronin is. And, uh, and yeah, this, this is pretty much called Ronin Brothers because, you know, obviously... The, the two are brothers, but also they've become Ronin because their master, who was their father, had been killed. Now, it's, you know, it's one thing for your master to get killed, mm -hmm. and then you have to, you know, be a Ronin for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's another when it's your father. There's like yeah. a deep rage connection to where it's just like, okay, yeah. now we got exact revenge, because not mm -hmm. only was he our master... He was our father, and you just don't screw with family. Yeah, exactly, and uh, <laughs> and and that's always going to be a theme in most of the things that I write. But uh, but the, we're, here's the difference between this and Darum. Mm -hmm. Darum was had more to do with fathers and sons. Yeah, this one it's actually called Ronan Brothers because actually, even though the father is a part of the story. This this one actually has more to do with brothers. So this is this is the interaction between um, mm -hmm. the brothers between yeah. the story. The, the the important the the importance of this story is about the brothers. Okay. It's, it's uh, I mean like I said their motivation is the death of their father. Yeah. But it's more about them and their interactions and basically their experiences with each other. Now I have a question and yeah. you don't have to answer it if it no, takes gives it's too much good. away. No, go ahead. Um, is there going to be within this story arc, uh, obviously sibling squabbling because. Mm -hmm. One is more tactful about it, and one wants to go more head-on. Well, that's so actually, that, 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 I, I, I like that you bring that up. I like that you bring how that they're up. How they do the mission. No, it is. Uh, it is the whole thing. The whole thing is, they're going to be brothers. The whole yeah. thing is, yes. Um, at the end of the day, and and this is kind of just how it works in my family, yeah. so I'm just going to use the same kind of principle in this, is, at, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my family and I, we will come together and get stuff done. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean that we don't 
argue about it while we're doing it. Oh, of course. That's half the fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, no, there are going to be plenty of scenarios where, you know, you see the older brother uh, go off and do something without thinking. The younger, younger brother is going to be saying, you need a plan. You know, it's like, a, uh, and then they're going to argue about it. And it's like, a, you know, no, you're going to have some pretty epic brother battles there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's no, it's still going to be a really awesome samurai story. Okay. But the, but but it's still going to have things that are that are truthful. At the end of the day, they may be they may be samurai, but they're also brothers. And so it may basically goes to show that while they do have a duty, well they do know, have a duty and while they do respect each other, they're still going to give each other crap because they're brothers. Exactly. And if you don't give your crap to your brother, who are you going to give it to? Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that's the whole thing. Is that, uh, no, I mean, no, it's going to definitely have those kind of things in it. No, and, and that's not giving too much away. No. That, that's, um, no, in fact... That's basic uh, plot, basically. Well, yeah, well, it's, it, yeah it's, it's basic plot, but it's also, I mean, I think I, I think it's good to bring that up because it's another incentive. Because the whole point, people uh, out there are probably like, well, you know, I don't have too many things where... Where you get that kind of, uh, where you don't have a comic book where, where, where you know what it's like to have a brother, and it's just like, you know, this will be one of those. It's one of those ones that those who have brothers out there will can totally relate to these characters because that's how they're going to interact is as brothers. So the relatable connection is going to be obvious. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and um, I won't give away the names, but, but for those who are samurai film buffs mm-hmm. um they're going to they're going to like the names that i've given to the to the two characters the older brother and the younger brother um and i'll at least give a hint on this one the older brother is named after an older famous um samurai movie actor and if you don't know who he is then you don't know samurai film <laughs> and then the younger brother is named after um, after a newer um, a- after a newer samurai film star, but to me, just as good. Now, going off the rails a little bit. No, you're good. Um, let's talk about some projects that are coming to fruition next year that maybe mm-hmm. um, we haven't talked about. A whole lot maybe kind of go a little more in depth is there anything within the next year that people are just going to be absolutely excited to see come out of crazy monkey inc well i said one one thing is i'm hoping to get as as we were talking about i'm hoping to get at least a few issues of rowan brothers out yeah hoping to get at least darum number four and five out in the first graphic novel that would be nice um and as we've talked about in many of the previous podcasts we're hoping to get our sherlock holmes graphic novel done and finished this year i really want that to come yes. out seriously yeah um we're uh, gonna try and get uh death unicorn up and running and hopefully finished by next year that would be awesome too yeah um and uh, those yeah those are some of the uh, some of the things um i want to touch on this while we have time have at it because i remember uh you had brought this up um mm-hmm. um one of the things that we wanted to talk about in addition to the project we were just talking about yeah was um was, um, and I don't know if uh, many of you who are listening to this podcast, I don't know if you know, but um, there has been sort of a sort of um, a sea change, I guess you could call it, in the um, in the comic industry. They're kind of an insurgence. Yeah, um, is that 
even though Marvel and DC are still making lots of money, the thing is, is that you're noticing a lot more and more independent comics are getting noticed, are getting different types of media. I mean, I mean, I'll even bring this one up. Is like you look at like something like The Walking Dead, that yeah. Robert Kirkman uh, has done. Mm -hmm. He even helps with that show. So not only is he writing the comic book, but he also helps out with the show. And and that's from an indie comic book. And also yeah. the new Hellboy movie that's coming out yeah, next exactly. year is also from that, an independent comic yeah, company. Yeah, well, it's, it's Dark from Horse. Dark Horse, yeah. Um, and yeah, so, ver so various ones. Um, and, uh, Do you know how many people are pissed that Ron... Perlman isn't going to be playing Hellboy. Well, sadly, with the, I guess what this one is, and uh, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical too, but but at the same time, I'm going to reserve what I really think of it until I've actually seen it. Well, um, so am I, because I want to yeah, see it too. Because the, from what I understand, this is not a sequel to the previous Hellboys. No, no. For those this is who are new, uh, yeah. So for those who are, this is this is like this is a complete different movie series. I guess what they're doing is they're starting from scratch again. Um, and so pretty much, because uh, I know that, um, I know that what happened was, because uh, Galmero del Toro did those first two Hellboy movies. He yeah. was the director. Did an awesome and then, job. And then, yeah, and then Ron Perlman played his Hellboy. Mm -hmm. um, with this movie... From what I understand, there's a whole new director attached to it, mm -hmm. and then the guy they got playing as um, Hellboy, um, I'm not horribly familiar with his work, but uh, one of the things I do remember him from is he actually played as the cop in Stranger Things. Yes, he did. He's mm. He's got a notable career. It's mm. just, it's a, it's a type of career where it's these off-the-wall type of mm. things, so if you're not into Stranger Things, if you're not into these off-the-wall type movies, you wouldn't know who the hell he was. Well, that's true. So he's not like Good a point. mainstream actor. Yeah. You'd have to be more in the obscure indie type movies yeah. to know who he is. But, uh, so. but you know, I'm, I'm glad we touched on the subject, but yeah, but, so basically what you're seeing is you're seeing, a, you're seeing a resurgence of the independent comic market. And... And you know, I, I think, and it's not that people hate superheroes. No, I think I think what it comes down to is that people are just—they're glad to have an alternative to superheroes. Now, what exactly does that mean for mm. DC and Marvel I, I, as oh, of right now? Um, the thing is, and for those who are panicking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, no, I don't think the DC or Marvel are ever going to go bankrupt. Oh, the whole thing—the whole thing is—is is they've got. They've got characters that have stood the test of time. I still think they'll be here for another 70 years. Um, what what that simply means is that you're not just going to have only two choices anymore. Yeah. In, in the future going on, the whole thing is with the with the um, sort of rise of the independent market as we've mm -hmm. been seeing. Um, and, and you have several bits of the genesis to think of that um, because, like, um, you know... There were certain people back back in the day who helped that. Like if, um, a lot of people, and these are the guys who created the first superhero, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, is uh, they can thank them for one thing, 
where creators started getting their rights back. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't been for Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster um, suing the DC company, yeah, because they were pissed. Yeah, they, well, they weren't. They their their character was making millions and they weren't making a dime. Rightfully so, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which would, it goes to show like how bad the work for hire agreement was. Because the mm-hmm. work for hire agreement is, if for people who don't know, was basically that the artist would get paid for their page rate. But they wouldn't get paid for their creation. The creation belonged to the company. And once they were done with the project, yeah. then that was it. And then yeah, they had yeah. to that pretty much they, find another project. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They were paid well as long as they were working at the company. Mm-hmm. But once they left the company, they didn't get any proceeds from what they created there. And had it not been for Siegel and Schuster, yeah. um, we wouldn't have the booming... Um, market of comics we have right now well, because if they you started look, the ball rolling. They, they was, did. They started the ball rolling because what happened was DC finally made an agreement with them, made a settlement with them, and then basically had to pay them. Um, I mean, at the time it was this money. I believe it's increased since then. Mm-hmm. But um, at the time, what happened was they sued them in 1970 uh, in 1978. Yeah. Um, around the time when the Superman movie came out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, with uh, what happened was. Um, um, when after that, that that they gave him a twenty thousand dollar annual pension, and that was a lot back in seventy eight. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, I believe it's increased since then to keep up with inflation. Oh, it has. But, yeah, but <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, but they started the ball rolling. But then uh, other things happened um, in the eighties. Um, guys like Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all on their own. Uh huh. They created their own studio for it, Mirage Studios, um, and they they basically that became a huge success. When they let it go mainstream, it became a huge success. A TV series, several movies, mm-hmm. um, a huge um, toy line, a huge toy line, uh, various video games. Mm-hmm. Um, hell. The, and the, the, nobody's done this. Nobody's done this. So this does you where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of has its own special place. Mm-hmm. Is they even made a tour, a musical tour, mm-hmm. um, and nobody's done that. Not even the Avengers have done that. And the Avengers is actually pretty freaking huge. Yeah. So I mean, wouldn't that be freaking hilarious to see the Avengers sing "You Can Count on Us"? Oh god. <laughs> they could sing "Under Pressure" from Queen with David Bowie, and I'd go to it. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> but anyway, um, but that was one. That was another thing. Was uh, was was independent creators making that rise in the '80s, and then finally in the '90s, and I think this was what really started getting independent comics getting much, much bigger. Yeah. You ended up getting the image boom, and we've talked about this before in, 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 in previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. But then you had the image boom, and then um, from the image boom on, um, I'd have to say, uh, I mean, it had its ups and downs, especially when the 90s first started. Cause well, they yeah. Said they were first, because I mean, uh, the first few years they were doing really well, then there was that midpoint in the 90s where they weren't doing so well, mm-hmm. and then they lost Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, who are their two biggest draws. And then, uh, but then they finally had, went, and we talked about this in the Jim Valentino podcast. Yeah, we did. Was Jim Valentino, when he took over as publisher, then started getting more independent voices and image. But basically, it was, it was, it was a slow buildup, but basically, it all led to what's going on today, mm-hmm. as we talked about. And then today, you're starting to see this. Not only are independent comics getting 
popular readers, mm -hmm. but they're also now getting into popular media. It's you know, it's not just Marvel and DC doing all the movies and media anymore. Now you're getting independent comic books getting their own cartoon series, their own live action series, their, their own, own Netflix movie, series, their own Netflix series, their own their own movie uh, mm -hmm. franchise. Yeah, you know, um, they're starting to get their own video games. Um, and I, yeah. I like that because not only is it showing that the independent comic industry has a voice, yeah, but that people are listening. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying is that um, that's what's great about it. And, and I said, and, and it, a lot of things like that, you, you, we have to contribute to that. So I'll always contribute those three things to the rise of uh, indie comics. And, and, and even a small part to, um, I'll, I'll even give them this too, even a small part to Dark Horse for, for um, bringing, out, uh, 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 bringing out certain uh, comic books that uh, not a whole lot of people were doing. Mm -hmm. Um because you know, theirs was a very different set of genre well, of comic I, that they were coming well, yeah, out of. Well, yeah, no, I mean, and I like how you brought up Hellboy, mm -hmm. you know, and that was something that came out of Dark Horse. And it was one of the very first comics that actually did come out of Dark Horse. Yeah. Well, that and uh, several, there's uh, another one that was really popular, but this was based on a movie franchise, but still very good. I mean, you know they were good if they still made it if they still made a great story out of it, but then uh, if they remember the early, and I'm not talking about the, because, the, and, you know, and please don't let the movie leave a bad taste in your mouth because the whole <laughs> thing is, no, the comic book series is great. Pick up the comic book series, and this was based before the movie was even an idea. Yeah. Um, there's, there's the original Alien vs. Predator comic book series. Mm -hmm. Um Check that out. It's really awesome. And, and and what I like about it is it's based in that future time. But anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, but but yeah, that was another contributing factor. But but to me, the three biggest ones. Yeah. I'll still give them the least a con and contributing thing in this. But the, the three biggest one was, as I said, the Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster thing that they did with DC yeah. in the 70s. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird in the 80s with Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, the 90s with Image. Now, I got a question for you. Do you ever wonder what would have happened had independent comics not come full circle with the mainstream comics uh, such as DC and Marvel? Well, and, and you know, I can only throw out a prediction here because the thing is, you know, you never know until things like this happen. Yeah. But my guess, okay. my guess is that pretty much what we would do is we'd be stuck with the same options we had before. It basically, like, we'll take your pick. Do you want something from DC or you want something from Marvel? <laughs> that's, that's what would happen. Is like, if the independent comics hadn't broke big mm -hmm. and hadn't been become part of the mainstream, um, basically, you'd just be back to just two options. Yeah, I don't you, see us slowing down anytime soon. I no. only see the momentum getting. Oh yeah, and see exactly. And what I'm saying is, and this is no slight to DC or Marvel. What no. it just means is it increases the scope of what you can choose from. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is, is yeah. If you want to just read Superman, read Superman. If yeah. you want to read, ba if you want to read Batman, read Batman. If you want to read the X Men, read X Men. Yeah. But but you know, if you want something that's maybe an alternative to that, that's where you have independent comics. You know, independent comics is basically your alternative to the superhero comics. And what's really interesting, and I find it actually a breath of fresh air, yeah. is there are now over, I think, 150 to 200 independent comic companies coming out with mm -hmm. independent comics 
that are just swarming the shelves and they're getting another mass comic attention. That, oh yeah, well an, another comic book company that's been getting pretty huge lately. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, you had just bought one of their graphic novels. In fact, I had suggested it to you. Um, but is uh, the comic book company called Aftershock Comics. Yeah. Aftershock Comics seems to be kind of on the rise there. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. actually... Um, uh, I talked to the producer... And the uh, yeah, one, one of the, the co yeah, the, you said you talked to one of the co-founders of Aftershock Comics, and he's one of the most down-to-earth, funny, and amazing people I've ever talked to on Twitter. Yeah. And just the hustle that this guy has and love for comics. Well, no, and you actually crazy. even talked to him. You even talked to him in person too, because mm -hmm. uh, you got to because he had actually visited um, our local comic shop. Yeah. Um, he actually visited there, and you actually personally talked to him. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to get into comics, and you ever want, you ever have an idea like Darren Captain of the Stars or um, Taxi Cab Joe, um, and you flesh it out and stuff like that, I would say if you don't get to Crazy Monkey, go to Aftershock mm -hmm. Comics because the guy's just an amazing person. He knows how to pick out great creators for great mm -hmm. comics coming out of his. I would company. liken. I would liken him. To what, what Raz is a crazy monkey is what this guy is for Aftershock comics. Exactly. They and both know how to pick great talent. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the comics that mm. Aftershock comes out with, yeah. you can tell that the producer knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. And who knows? You know, I'd, I'd still like to do this. I'd like to get in contact with him sometime. But um, I'd like yeah. to do a podcast with him, actually. Well, yeah, I'd like to do a podcast, but not only that. <laughs> no, no, actually, um, not only that, so you'll know, be prepared for that sometime. No, yeah. I think I think they're a great comic book company that maybe we should consider doing some crossovers with. I would love to do some crossovers with some of their comics because Aftershock Comics, I yeah. don't know if anybody knows this, Yeah, but they are so out there, and mm -hmm. they are so just... Completely different from any they, other different independent well, comic I, company. Oh yeah, no. What I like about it, and and I glad, I'm glad that you brought this up too. <laughs> what I like about it is that they um they don't have like a certain style they go for. No, it's not no. just it's not just oh we're, we're we're strictly superhero comics or we're just strictly action comics or we're just strictly comedy, you know, or yeah. something like that. No, no, it's basically. What I like about it is it kind of got that 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 approach to image now has mm -hmm. basically if it's good, we'll print it exactly, and you can tell that the quality that the president of aftershock comics likes mm -hmm. in the comics you can tell not only mm -hmm. is he very picky about who he brings on, mm -hmm. but he wants to know that the creators are there for the ride. Yeah, exactly. And not just for a couple of issues. Yeah, exactly. He wants to make sure that um, that they're in for the long haul. Um, Raz is the same way at Crazy Monkey Inc. Exactly. Raz, Raz only wants people who are dedicated to the comic book craft who want to stay in the comic book craft. If, if and I'll, I'll tell anybody about this who wants to get into the comic book uh, industry. The whole thing is, is if you're thinking of going to uh, places like uh, Crazy Monkey Inc., like you know, I'm, I'm telling you this. We don't just let anybody in. Now, here's the whole thing. And that's not to be rude, but that's we not have to be, to be very picky with creators well, yeah. that want to go for the long yeah, haul. Yeah, yeah, and it, that doesn't mean that we won't accept a good idea. A good idea is a good idea, and it doesn't matter what genre it's in. Well, yeah. Um, but what we are saying is you're going to have to do the work. You're going to have to be willing to 
to wait it out. You're going to have to be willing to basically struggle for maybe even years before you get noticed. And then the whole thing is, is that I'm telling you this right now. I mean, here's the whole thing. Yes, you can make a decent living in comic books, but at the same time, that shouldn't be your motivation for doing it. If your motivation for doing comic books is for strictly the money, you might as well just stop it now because yeah. uh, I'm telling you this. I create comic books because I enjoy creating comic books. And we enjoy telling a great story. Yes, exactly. Um, you got to enjoy yeah, what you yeah. do, especially as a writer, because if you yeah. don't, you're not going to make it in this industry. Well, yeah, you, that's well, you've got to have endurance. That's the strongest word right there, endurance. Yeah. The whole thing is, is you know, you have, have had our hangups every now and again, oh, but yeah. we've never quit. No. And that's and, that, and that's the whole thing, is that you have to have endurance. If if at any, you know, if if, if, if you're at the point where you're, you're feeling like everything you do is a chore... Well, then you're probably not in the right industry. Because I can tell you this. I've had, now, I've, that doesn't mean it's easy, hunky dory. Oh, I've no. had many frustrations doing comic books. But at the end of the day, I still enjoy it. And here's something that I know you and I both enjoy about yeah. comic books is the fact not only do we love coming out with fantastic stories for people to read, mm -hmm. we just love writing in general. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, it goes with our, our love of the classics. I mean, it's so great because the funny thing is, is like, I, I noticed, like, you know, and I got to give kudos to both our parents for this. Yeah. The whole thing is to say, if you and I didn't have cool parents who were reading us some of the great classic novels, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking the great classics. David Copperfield. Oh, yeah. Huckleberry uh, Finn, Moby well, Dick. Well, well, hell, I used to go with authors. Was like, they, were reading, they were reading stuff like Charles Dickens, Robert mm -hmm. Louis Stevenson, J.R. Tolkien, F. Frank Scott Herbert. F. Scott Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jules Verne. Yeah, Jules Verne. H.G. Yeah, Wells. Exactly, the greats. The greats. The greats. <laughs> if we didn't have people, if we didn't have our parents, if we didn't have our parents reading us those books as kids, I don't think we would have grown up to have the appreciation for both reading and writing that we have. Howard Pyle. Yeah, exactly. You know, the whole thing is, you know, I mean, once again, as I said, you know, there's so many. I mean, we can yeah. sit here and throw out, like, you know, millions of names, but oh, the whole could. point is... No, we grew Do you up. Want to? No, that, that would take too long. We <laughs> yes, we, we need to we, we need to dedicate a, a whole well not even just one. We'd have to dedicate like a million podcasts to that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, but what it came down to is that's why we got an appreciation for great literature. Yeah. Um, and and you know and, and we we translate that into comics and a lot of people seem to think of comics as sort of this inferior medium and it's not and it's not and no what it really is is what it's just pictures and words it's a different way to tell a story just like movies are a different way to tell a story you know cuz a lot of people you know they'll be, get snobbish with their with their reading basically oh, dude, novels are the only great reading blah, yeah blah, blah. And it's like and I'll admit novels are great but it's a different medium it's like it's like you can tell a story and i mean nowadays there's not just one medium to do it. You can tell a story in a movie. You can start tell a story in television. You can tell a story in a video game. Mm -hmm. You know, and and comic books is part of that. Comic books is just another way to tell a great story, uh, and 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 you just have to, as a writer of that, you just have to kind of change up the narrative a bit. Um, whereas, like, if you're writing a novel, you'd have to describe a scene basically saying like, um, you know, Jonathan walked into the uh, cold, stagnant room. Um, you know, Moss was feeling. It was. It was. Was Moss was. Uh, was. Um, 
across the side of the wall. Yeah. Um, as, you know, as as a light bit of light bit of dew slowly dripped from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, but in a comic book, what you would do is you, as the artist would just draw up that scene, mm -hmm. and instead of just you know having the character describe that. Basically, you just have you'd have either um, some sort of narration, basically saying where the character was going, what he was doing, yeah. or basically have the character saying something. The whole thing is, is you don't have to describe how the walls look or how the characters look because they're already there in the pictures. Now, I got a question for you. No. While we're still doing this, yeah. how big is narration in a comic? How important is that? It depends on what kind of story you're telling. Okay. The whole, th whole thing is, is that there's certain. I, I've seen ones where, where the only bit of narration is is when it's describing location, time, and place. Yeah. Um, like basically, like you know, maybe um, you know, uh, what's a good one? Like uh, you know, like you know, um, you know, uh, December seventeenth, um. 17th, <clears throat> um yeah, 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 yeah. December seventeenth, two fifty-two p.m. Iceland. You know, yeah. and and that's about the best, as much narration as you get. And mm -hmm. then most of it's just told basically through the the character. And then sometimes, the the narration, or if anything, if there's any caption boxes, it's mainly more t towards what the character is thinking. Um, mm -hmm. But then, but then there are ones where the where the caption boxes or the narration boxes, whatever you want to call them, yeah, I just call them caption boxes. Um, but you use those as, as as yeah as a way of narration. You can even do that as a traditional narration, basically. Like yeah, what's his name was doing this and this and this the whole thing. You know, yeah, you or, can find or that saying, a, a saying, whole lot in like uh, Tarzan yeah. and Conan the yeah, Barbarian yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it set up more in a traditional narrative, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, you know, and then basically it's just, you know, back and forth between the narration and what the character's saying. Exactly. Um, but then, as I said, I've seen Warren where it's used to a bare minimum. Um, I'll, I'll admit with my writing, I use the um, caption boxes more as a way to portray what the character's thinking. Yeah. Um, unless um, the kind of narration I'm going for suits it because i will admit um one of my other projects reiner reiner demon vanquisher yeah um does rely a little bit more on narration because what happens is it's supposed to be told almost as if through a series of journals that the character has written so kind of like uh mina and jonathan harker from bram stoker's dracula exactly okay. exactly yeah once again going back to the classics <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah, so um, but anyway, um, and that's why I said that's why I think that independent comics have, have gotten this this great reputation is because of the fact that they're providing that alternative to what DC and Marvel is not. Exactly. And no, once again, no, I'm not spelling doom for any comic book company. What I'm just saying is, is in the future, I don't see there just being two choices. In the future, I see there being a whole bunch of multiple choices. A whole spectrum of things that you can choose from. Now, with that in mind, I would like to wrap this up, and I want you to go first with your comic book recommendation and your book recommendation. Yeah. Because I know you just got a couple... 
I did yeah. actually. Um, <laughs> and 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 I'll get to my uh, comic book recommendations in just a minute because you know I I can already I've got plenty I can suggest on that one. But as far as novels go, yeah. Um, you know, God, you know, and it's so so like I said, there's just so many out there. It's, just, it's hard to go and recommend uh, certain ones. But you know, let's see. Um, I would actually let's see. It's not that you um, haven't read any or anything. No, no, no. I I have so many. <laughs> um, no. Um, oh, you know what I'll do? Yeah. I'll, I'll do this one. I may have suggested it before, but I don't know. But you know what? It's still a great novel anyway, so I'll, I'll suggest it again if I even have. Mm -hmm. But uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh, I love that one. Oh, yeah. And in fact, interesting enough, his only story that was not a seafaring story. Because mm -hmm. yeah. all the rest of them were. Yeah. Swashbuckling and all sorts of stuff. Well, yeah, it's so funny. Most other people think that um, think that Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde was like uh, was by somebody who's more like Mary Shelley or Bram Stoker. No, yeah. it's so funny. Is no, it was done by Robert Louis Stevenson, the same guy who gave us Kidnapped and Treasure Island. Exactly. And if you haven't read Kidnapped or Treasure Island, yeah. y you need to go and read them. Yeah, because they're amazing stories. Oh yes, but uh, th that's my suggestion. So read the uh, the Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Definitely. Um, and then. And my comic book recommendation. Actually, I'm gonna recommend something I just got today. Yeah. Um, really awesome. I'm gonna recommend Powers from both Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Oming. Nice. And for those familiar, Michael Oming also worked with Brian Jail Glass on The Mice Templar. Mm-hmm. Actually, on um, on both on uh, all of them actually. Yeah, on, on all, all of the yeah he volumes. did because on, on on all on all the volumes of he did no because Michael Oming always had a hand in it. What happened was he helped do all the art for the first for for the first uh, um, several issues, which yeah. became the first collected volume, mm -hmm. first graphic novel. And what happened was he had Victor Santos basically do the art after that. But what happened was he was still involved because he would still help with the storyboards and whatnot and still draw out some stuff. Yeah. And then Victor Santos would just do the finished art. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, so Michael Omi was still very much a part of that. In fact, he's actually helping to oversee the new Mice Templar animated series that's going to be done by Gomont. Nice. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, but anyway, but yeah, so I would suggest this. Uh, so, Powers is a really awesome book. Um, you know, Brian Michael Bendis, I mean, one of my favorite writers. Um, this guy, you don't know his resume? Well, here, let me give it. Let me give you some stuff he's done. He did a he did a little story arc called Avengers Disassembled. Yes. And then he wrote and then he wrote Avengers for the longest time over at Marvel, ten years at least. Oh yeah. Um, he um, he he's also the the creator of Jessica Jones. Yep. Um, he's also um. Yeah, he's also done Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. um, he's done uh, pretty much a ton of books over at Marvel. Most of the big selling books you've seen over at Marvel, Byron Michael Bendis has done. Yeah. And and then now he's working over at DC, and he's actually now writing for Action Comics and Superman. Mm -hmm. He's doing and a thousand run. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's He's, what I call it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> and, 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 oh, it's, it's that's actually apropos. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, he's he's done that. And it's just really awesome. Um, 
And so, yeah, if you, if you like that, you know, your powers is up your alley. Uh, and it's a really great crime-slash-superhero kind of story. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess on to your recommendations. My recommendation for comics... Um, I am going to have to jump back a few years. Yeah. Because not only did I absolutely love the hell out of this run. Yeah. But it just goes to show you, um, how well versed we are in comics. Yeah. The very first run of Submariner. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're going back to the golden age. Oh, yeah. 1940s, people. This was, you know, when World War II was in full swing and everything. Exactly. And if you haven't read any comics with the Submariner in it, I'm urging the crap out of you to do so. Because Submariner was such a beautifully written comic. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's of the sea, obviously. And he's got powers like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. Well, basically, um, you know, the whole thing is, is going back to the competition thing. But, yeah, basically... Um, you know, Marvel and DC were always in competition with each exactly. other. And the funny thing is, it's like, whereas, uh, well, this was before Marvel was Marvel, but they had, um, the Submariner, um, and DC had Aquaman. Yeah, so they were kind of competing back and forth mm. between the two. And uh, what about your novel recommendation? My novel recommendation, I just barely got this book about, I want to say, two weeks ago, because yeah. you were with me when I got it, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, the complete volume and works of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is awesome. Hell yeah. Now, you know how much I love Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in the middle um, of the 80-page work of the... Mm-hmm. I want to say it's, it's the very first one where he meets Watson... Oh, nice! And where they have the little squabbles, and then they so have so, to... so you're you're reading a study in Scarlet, exactly. And it's the very first one in yeah. the series of litany. It's like a yeah. one thousand two hundred page book of the collected works. Yeah. And if you haven't read anything by mm-hmm. Doyle, you need to because not only is he mm-hmm. such an amazing author, and he's so well written. It's such properness in how he writes. It's just, yeah. it's it's like a work of gold. You know, it's just, you know? well, it's it's very British. It's a really great crime mystery story. Uh huh. And 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 he actually solves the cases in ways that you know, that actually work. Yeah. You know, he he actually goes with actual logic. He doesn't go with fictional logic. He goes with <laughs> actual logic, which is kind of very good and refreshing in that kind of genre. Now, I'm going to throw out one more book series mm-hmm. because I feel that it just needs to be said. Yeah. Um, Hercule Perrault by oh, Agatha Christie. Hercule Perrault, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it, he was basically the French equivalent of Sherlock Holmes because exactly. Agatha Christie was a huge Conan Doyle fan. Mm-hmm. And so that was basically her homage writing... Yeah. To Doyle's yeah, Sherlock Sir, Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Sir, oh, yeah, exactly. So please check those, check that out, people. And I think now is a good time as any to wrap it up. This is true. We're gonna wrap it up like a Christmas present and throw yeah. it out in the trash. Um, well, because it's not Christmas anymore. Wow. <laughs> but Happy New Year, people. Yes, Happy New Year. Have a fantastic New Year, everybody. It's gonna be an amazing New Year for comics. Yeah. It's gonna be an amazing New Year for Crazy Monkey Inc. Lots of beautiful things are going to be happening. Lots of great comics coming out. Guys, have a fantastic new week. 
do what you can to lift each mm -hmm. other up. Tell someone, a stranger, that they're an amazing person. Mm -hmm. Tell your friends and your family that you love them. Hold them close. Buy them a lollipop. Do whatever they need to, <laughs> you know, to keep them on a string. And we will see you next Wednesday for the next podcast. Yes, awesome. Till then. That's right.